Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Man, it's uh, good to see you guys here today. I hope and pray that you are ready to hear what God has to say. Um, we've been going through this series, God Has a Name, and it's been really good for me. And I apologize if you've heard this a little bit before, but I want people to kind of get a perspective. of uh, This was supposed to have started the first Sunday in January. And because of weather and craziness, you know, we didn't even have church here in person for like three of the first four weeks. And it, it was just nuts, but we're excited to be doing this, um, and it's been a great series for me. If it hasn't been for you, I apologize. Um, you got to, you know, take that up with the Holy Spirit, maybe. I don't know. I, I'm trying my best to just say what needs to be said, because we go through life sometimes thinking we know somebody, but we don't really. And um, one of the ways that I was caught off guard many years ago, and I apologize in advance for those of you that have heard this story or retelling of it many times, but it's important for today, so I'm going to reshare it real quick. Um, I was dating this girl in college, and it was going good, man. This, I was like, this girl's different. She is special. She is something else. And we go out. My birthday rolls around October 7th. Go ahead and put that on your calendar if you like. Um, you know, just, just saying. Um, anyway, uh, I'm a size... Um, Full-size truck, four-wheel drive. If you're giving it, I'll take whatever. I'll take whatever. I'm not that big. Come on, I'm not, I'm not shallow. Okay. Anyway, I'm just kidding. So my birthday rolls around October seventh. We go out. You know, I had, you know, I've been paying for her most of the time, and anyway, she pays for me for dinner, and she gives me this gift. And then we go back to campus at uh, what was called Running Bible College. Now it's been Atlantic Christian University in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, where we met and started dating. Go back to campus and we're walking around and we're talking and we get into an argument. We get into an argument and this girl dumps me on my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about despicable. Despicable. So uh, next year we play this cat and mouse where I'm the mouse and she's the cat. She's just playing with my emotions and she'll like show me attention and I'll be like, I'll come back and then she's like, nope, psych. And then uh, she like, you know, stops paying attention to me and then same thing happens over and over again. Well, anyway, we finally get together. I grow up a little bit. She grows up a little bit and we start dating again. And about a year later, another, this is like two years later, about another year later, my birthday rolls around and I propose to Sherry, my wife, on my birthday. Because I am just that good of a guy. I'm that spiteful, really. I'm like, my whole life, I can just hold it over her head. You dumped me on my birthday, I proposed on my birthday. And I'm like, I, now, you know, at the time, it hurt. Like, it was like a dump truck running over me when she broke up with me. Because I knew that I loved that girl. I did. She, she loved me, she just didn't know it yet. And, you know, the restraining order proved it. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I knew that she was the one, and I was just ready, ready, ready. And then, all of a sudden... I said, I realized, like, that's the best gift ever to give a preacher, is to give him a story like that that he can use for the rest of his life, and I'm just so thankful for it. But anyway, I tell you all that because we started off on a really, really rocky footing, a really rocky footing. I mean, to dump somebody on their birthday, that's pretty hardcore, right? There was something going on there, right? Well, here we are, almost 22 years later of marriage. I, I'm, I'm proud of that. I ain't gonna lie. I'm, I'm gonna brag on that. I'm very proud of that. Praise God. 
Because I say this to not brag about anything that we've done, because I can tell you very honestly, and if Sherry was up here, she would say, amen, amen, amen. We've had many, many reasons to split up. And we've been close at times, if we're being honest. I mean, there's been times it's, it's you know, it's been on the table. And, and I say that because anybody who makes it for a long time in anything, whether it be a relationship or a job or anything, there's plenty of reasons to, to quit. There's plenty of reasons to get pushed out the door. My parents are a, a tremendous example. I, I mean, I'm not telling anything, you know, big secret. I think they would be honest and tell everybody they've had a lot a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And they are somewhere around 56 years of marriage. And I say this, I don't want anybody to feel beat up. I don't want anybody to be like, oh, you know, he's going to talk about. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this. It's easy in our world to give up. And sometimes even though you're all in, somebody else gives up on you, right? And it hurts. You know, it was a common thing many years ago, not so long ago, that people would work for the same company, the same job for 40 years. 30 years especially. It was like, a, it was like nothing. Everybody did 30 years. Now, I don't even know. I didn't look it up. But I would say the average job stays probably three or four years. You know, statistics say that the average marriage lasts about eight and a half years. And so the reason I say this is not to make anybody feel bad or, or to make me look good, because like I said, we've had plenty of reasons if we wanted to give up, is that in this life full of temporary, it would be nice to have some permanent. Am I right? It would be nice to have something or someone that sticks around. And that's what I want to talk about today as we talk about God, Yahweh, and we look at who he is and we look at all that he is calling us to be. In Exodus 34, our main passage of scripture that we've been facing this whole series off of, beginning in verse 6, says this. You can look on the screen or you can look along in your Bible if you like or on your phone. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, that's Yahweh, his name there. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. There you go. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Today we're focusing on a phrase there at the beginning of verse uh, in verse 6, it says, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That word, stead, or that phrase, steadfast love, comes from a Hebrew word, hesed. And faithfulness comes from a Hebrew word, emet. Now, hesed is an interesting word. It's really hard to figure out a Hebrew to English equivalent, or any really other language. Because as I've been looking, I, I was reading in this book by John Mark Comer. It's a, it's a phenomenal book. I, I owe a lot of credit to him for a lot of things that I'm bringing to light. But as I was looking at it and I was doing some work study, it's an interesting thing because it's simply this steadfast love. It might light your fire, it might not, if I'm being real. You know, some of you hear that and you're like, okay, well, we've heard God is love. Okay, okay, so he's got steadfast love. I don't use the word steadfast that much, maybe. You know, maybe you don't either, but, you know, steadfast love. 
But it's so much more. It's so much more. Hesed is so much more than just simply one or two words. It's faithful love, steadfast love. It's an idea. It's a covenant term. And we're going to talk a little bit more about covenants here in just a little bit if you're unfamiliar with that. Uh, just a quick overview is, you know, you've heard of maybe the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Bible. An interchangeable word for testament is actually covenant. And so it could be the old covenant or the new covenant. And that is an agreement, but it's so much more than just a simple agreement. It's a promise and a contract. We're going to talk about that more later. But here's the thing. It's, it's this idea that he is going to be true to his word no matter what. And in a world where you can just get downsized in a minute, it's nice to know that somebody's faithful. Am I right? He is overwhelmingly faithful. And so hased is a word. We can't just simply say steadfast love and think to understand it the way the Hebrew would and the way God wants us to understand it. So I want to dig a little deeper. It's, it's translated sometimes love or abounding in steadfast love. And, and just saying that it's steadfast love is kind of like saying Romeo kind of like Juliet. You know, it's just... Vastly understated. The see, understand this. This is covenant term, and it's one of the most important characteristics of Yahweh that we need to understand. All right, so, so let that perk your ears up a little bit. Let that draw you in a little bit. And here's the thing. It's repeated right here again in the beginning of verse 7 in another way. It says, keeping steadfast love for thousands. So what do we know in general? If somebody repeats something, and even more so in the Bible, if somebody repeats something, what should we do? Listen up. It's important. And so as the fact that this is repeated should wake us up in our hearts and our minds and our heads, everything, and say, this is something that God wants me to know about himself. That he is abounding in this covenant love and faithfulness that he will not leave us or forsake us. It's one of the biggest things you can know about Yahweh. Yahweh is overflowing with this never-ending covenant love. Have guys ever been like to the mountains, especially uh, in North Carolina? There's tons of waterfalls in North Carolina mountains. You ever, you ever been out there? It's really neat. If you haven't had a chance to get out there, you need to go. There's one uh, set of waterfalls called Looking Glass Falls. And uh, Bridal Veil Falls is another one. And, and there's times where you can actually literally walk behind and underneath the waterfalls. And you see like just millions and millions of gallons of water just pouring over and i think about it sometimes like that's sort of at least a small picture in my mind of the overwhelming covenant love and faithfulness faithfulness that god is if you get under there it, you can't even stand it's just going to knock you down it's just so powerful and so continuous it doesn't stop and that's the idea that i want you to walk away with today about the hased the overwhelming covenant love and faithfulness of god all right that's what I want us to know. I want us to understand that beyond the shadow of a doubt. The word emet, or translated faithfulness here in the English Standard Version, is literally the word truth. But it's not just the fact that, yes, it's true. It's connected to the word amen. You know, if you didn't grow up in church, the idea about amen, you, you probably know, you know, you say it at the end of prayers, that way God listens, you know, God's busy about his day, and all of a sudden, it's like Alexa, you know, it's like, hey, Alexa, you know, he says amen, he's like, oh, oh, what now, and he backs up and listens. <laughs> Y'all never thought like that, you know, that was sounds like I kind of thought like that as a kid, especially. But amen is, 
yes, and so it shall be. Like, it's firm and secure. It's like, yes, this is exactly. That's why we say amen a lot of times at the end of prayers. And just so you know, God's always listening. He's always listening. And if you forget to say amen, it's okay. It's all right. You don't have to say it, but it's a good thing to say. It's good. Because it says, yes and amen. Yes, it is so. Let it be so. That's what it is. So this word emet or faithfulness is tied to that. It's the idea of trustworthy and reliability. And we all know we want that. So you can count on Yahweh every time. I'm going to say that again. You can count on Yahweh every time. There's a reason that I'm hammering on this. Because here's why. So many of us fail on everything when times get tough. We just fail. It's ingrained in our culture. I mean, people, when they stop being friends with people now, they don't even necessarily have to have a big argument. They just stop texting one another. Right? I'm sometimes a little bit too transparent to a fault. But I will tell you honestly, this message, the enemy does not want you to hear this. He did not want me to hear this and he did not want me to share this. And so this week, especially at the end of the week, I was getting pummeled. I was getting pummeled trying to get, the enemy was trying to get me to say, God's not faithful. So that when I got up here and talked to you about it, that I would be a fraud. Because I would be telling you something that I did not believe. And there were times that I was teetering, man. I was on the ropes and the punches were coming in my gut and in my face. And I was like, I just don't know. Is God really faithful? And, and this is something, I, like I said, I'm, I'm too honest to a fault sometimes. But, you know, one of the rules that you're taught when you're getting in ministry is, you know, you don't address the things that are like, like, for instance, you don't address the, the size of the crowd or all that sort of stuff. And I'll be honest, as we were starting this morning, there was hardly anybody in here in person sitting in the seats. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, the reason I'm telling you this is because even still this morning, the enemy's trying to get in my head and say, Yahweh's not faithful. Yahweh's not true. Yahweh's not overwhelming in steadfast covenant love. And I can guarantee that many of you might have heard some of the same lies this week. And if you didn't hear them this week, you've heard them before. And if I had to go out on a limb, now I know people travel. I, you know, we go away. We're going to get away for a little uh, trip for some my boys' basketball tournament this week. And I know people go on vacations. Vacations are good. I love them. And so some people might be on a vacation. But I would bet, because I've lived enough life, that there are some people that are not in these seats today that they started to believe a little bit of the lie that God is not faithful. And so their presence here didn't matter. I'm just being real, y'all. Because once we acknowledge who the enemy is and once we acknowledge his tactics, then we can start to defeat them by the power of God. And as long as we keep trying to say, oh, no, it's not really real, it's not really real. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. You can go back and listen to that message about God versus the gods, the little G-gods. As long if we just ignore their power and we just ignore the enemy's power, then he will always have a foothold in our life. And so I want you to know I need to be reminded. We need to pull together here. Those watching online, we need to remind one another that God, Yahweh, is faithful. Yes. Even though life may be hard. 
Life may be difficult. We may be getting punched over and over and we don't feel like we can keep going on because so many of us bail out when things get remotely tough. We leave jobs, we leave cities, we leave churches, we leave friendships, we leave marriages. But not Yahweh. Not Yahweh. He is faithful and true, abounding and overflowing with steadfast covenant love. And it might seem really repetitive. I know I've been repetitive this morning. But this passage might seem really repetitive for it to say abounding in steadfast love and then keeping steadfast love. And in English it does. As we read it in English. And like I said, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. But it seems really repetitive. But not to the Hebrew ear. Not as it was being put on that stone or put on that parchment. It's pounding the point home that Yahweh is never going to leave you no matter how messed up you get. And I think that's really what it's all about for most of us. The reason that we want to give up doesn't start with just an outright refusal of the fact that God might be faithful, that Yahweh might be faithful. But we get up in the morning and we look in the mirror and we think, I'm not faithful. You remember in movies and stuff, like when somebody's trying to get, they got to let this animal free for its own good, you know, and you're like, all right, go, go little dog, go little dog. We just watched a, a movie called Dog about a, a veteran who rehabs a, a dog, canine veteran. It's a really good story. And he's trying to get him to leave because they're going to euthanize this dog. And so he wants him to go free, be free and live. And so he sends him off and the dog wants to stay right there, right? And so what do you do in the movies? Go on, go on, yeah! You know, you yell at them. So a lot of times that's what we do with God. Because we look and we see, I'm not faithful. I make mistakes. I'm so flawed. And so what do I do? I get mad at God. It's like, all right, God, I'm going to just leave you before you leave me. You know, it's like, I'm going to push God away because you're just going to reject me anyway, God. Because there's no way that you can love me and be faithful to me because I'm so faithless. And I am so unfaithful. So we try to push God away and we blame God and we get angry at God. And we just need to know that he is not like us in that. He is faithful. It might sound repetitive. But he is so faithful to us and he won't leave us no matter how messed up we get. He's faithful to the bitter end, no matter the cost. And that might still ring empty to some of you. Because you're thinking, if he's so faithful, how did I end up in a broken relationship? Why haven't I found my soulmate? Why do I have a chronic illness? Why did I lose my baby? How could I lose my dream job? Why can't I make ends meet if God's so faithful? And I'd be lying if I didn't stand up here and tell you I didn't have some of the same questions sometimes. And it's, sometimes it's hard to reconcile the love and the faithfulness of Yahweh with the life that we experience. I'm just going to be honest. It's hard sometimes. But you remember the word covenant we talked about? In the ancient world, a covenant was a blend between a promise and a legal contract. As I said, it wasn't just a promise. 
And it wasn't just a law contract, a legal contract. It was a little bit of both. And they were wrapped up tightly together. And this was something powerful. Two or more people or two or more parties would make a promise and sign a contract that had specific blessings and curses for each of you if you held it or if you did not hold up that contract, that covenant. If you broke them, you would be punished in some way and you called on God to do it. And if you were faithful to it, you'd be blessed. And in Genesis chapter 15, we see God make a covenant with Abram, who we might know as Abraham. A little bit later on, his name's changed. Where he tells this earlier, he told him in, in uh, chapter 12, I believe, he told this old barren couple that they were going to be the, the father and the mother of nations, of, of many, many, many people. And here they are in their old age and they could not have children. They knew about the struggle with wondering if God was faithful. Don't you think they prayed? Back then, especially, people's worth was tied up with how many children, but not even just how many children, but how many sons they had. And so if he was supposed to be such a big shot and God was supposed to love him so much, how in the world don't we have any kids yet? And then God has the audacity to come and say, you're going to have to be the father of nation, a great nation that will bless the entire world. And here he is, an old man. And a few years pass and it still hasn't happened. And in Genesis 15, he says, all right, now we're going to make this covenant. And he's reiterating this covenant that he made with him just sort of as a spoken covenant. And he's going to get really serious about it. He first promised it a few years earlier, and then he says it's time. One of the ways that you would make a covenant is that you would cut animals in half. It's a bloody mess. Literally, you would cut animals in half, and the two parties would walk between the animal parts. They were signifying that either of us, if we break this covenant, we should become like these animals. More than just your promise, right? That's pretty intense, wouldn't you say? Uh, we've got a gap here in the chairs today, and some of you walked in, and you noticed that's a little different. But I wanted you to think about this with me for a second. I want you to visualize. So imagine you are Abram or Abraham, and God comes to you, and he says, all right, we're going to make this covenant. Abram knew what a covenant was, and so he tells him to go get the animals. He cuts them up, and he cuts them in half. And so, I mean, it doesn't smell good. Because in, in the story we're going to read here, this passage in just a second, it says that the uh, buzzards come, the vultures come, and they're trying to get on it because vultures don't come for a nice buffet that's warmed up. They come for stinky stuff that's dead, that doesn't smell great. And so they're, they're circling around, and he's trying to fight them off. And it says here, it says in verse 17, uh, verse 7, he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He's doubting if God is really faithful. Are you really going to do what you said? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, and a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these. He cut them in half, and he laid each half over against the other. So imagine, if you will, you've got half of the animals on this side, half the animals on this side. And he says, what you're supposed to do is you walk through. And both people in the covenant are supposed to walk through these bodies. It stinks, it's nasty, you, you just slaughtered them yourself, you know the bloody mess that you're dealing with, and you're supposed to walk through. But this covenant is different. This covenant is different because here's what it says. It says, right here and there, it says, um, let me find my place. It says that, and when the birds of prey came down in the carcasses, 
on the carcasses. Abram drove them away. Now, I want to pause real quick for right here. This is just, I want to add this to you because I want you to hear this. Sometimes people will try to steal your sacrifice. You fight for it. Fight for it with everything that you have. I'm sorry I'm getting emotional, but man, the enemy is going to send all kinds of people. He is going to tell a lot of people to try to knock you down and get you off of your sacrifice for God. Whatever God's calling you to sacrifice, and that's our entire life. But specifically, he may be calling you to take a step of faith, and there's going to be every reason not to show up to church one day. There's going to be every reason not to be faithful, not to give, not to trust, not to serve, not to, not to walk away from that relationship that's holding you back from following Jesus. And you need to fight for your sacrifice. The vultures are going to try to take it, but fight for it. In verse 12, it says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. And as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Then look at verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Do you notice something strange here? What do we say about a covenant? The two parties would do what? They would walk through the middle of the sacrifices. Reminding that if you break it, this should happen to you. If I break it, this should happen to you. You should be cut into. You should be dead. But it says that what happens is Abram goes into the sleep and this fire pot and this torch appear. And guess who that is? That's God. Yahweh comes and he says, I'm going to pass through. I'm going to walk through. And Abram, Abraham, I'm not going to make you walk through because I know something that you don't know. You can't keep this covenant. But I can. That's what Yahweh says. I can. And so Yahweh doesn't make Abraham walk through. He walks through for him. And so what Abraham uh, learns from this, what God is saying, what Yahweh is saying, he says, I'm going to keep both sides of the covenant. I'm not going to mess up. I'm faithful. Overwhelmingly, abundantly, overwhelming, faithful. But when you mess up, I'm going to pay the price for you. And some of you are already ahead and you know where we're going with this. Yahweh came down in the form of a man we call Jesus of Nazareth. He came down and he paid the price for the covenant that Adam broke and Abraham broke and Bobby broke and you broke and everybody broke. He said, you broke it, but I'm not going to make your life be taken from you. I'm going to give my life. I walk through the pieces of that sacrifice and I am going to do it for you. And y'all, if y'all don't hear anything, I hope you hear that. Is that Yahweh, God loves you so much that he came and died when you broke up the relationship. And you messed it all up. And I messed it all up. God is good. 
God promises to keep both sides of the covenant. And even if God's people are faithless, he will be faithful. But we'd be remiss if we didn't explain this part. It's so key. And this is why I said, you know, the enemy really attacks. You see, even in this covenant, where he says, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. He warns them that it's going to be difficult. He warns them it's going to be difficult there in verse 13. He goes through all this thing. He said, you are, your people are going to be in slavery for 400 years. And that is hard for us. It's hard for us, especially you know, in our Western world, in our Western mindset, and with the, the version of Christianity that sometimes we've adopted and adapted, is we feel like if we follow God, then everything's supposed to be perfect. Tell that to the Ukrainian Christians right now, cowering but praising Jesus. You know, it's not always going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, but what we do is we love easy, we love smooth, we love calm, we love relaxed, but life isn't like that, is it? There's pain and there's heartache. But you've got to trust Yahweh. You've got to trust Jesus. He'll stick by you even when you won't stick by Him. He will stick by you when you won't even stick by Him. And all of Abram's family, all the way down to you and I, we are struggling with Yahweh. And Yahweh continually would fight for his children. They would rebel. And he would allow them to be punished. He would allow them because he would allow the people to come in and take them captive. He would allow some pain when they rebelled. But he would rescue and he would save. And he still does that for you and I. No matter the cost. Even if it meant dying like those animals. Jesus is enough. He is Yahweh and he is Israel. That's the beautiful thing. He is God and he is man. He came down and he offered himself for both sides. He's able to do what Abraham and Israel could never do. And he came to bless the world. And so after centuries of not holding up our end of the covenant, Jesus took all that brokenness on himself and he carries it to the cross and he carries it into the tomb. But guess what? He didn't carry it out of the tomb. He left it. He left all your brokenness, all my brokenness in the tomb and he came out and we're free because of it. He walks right out of that tomb without any of that brokenness. And I want you to hear this. If he can defeat death just watch and see what he can do with your pain, with your frustration, with your letdowns. He will make them all right. Because if he can defeat death, he can defeat anything. And so don't let the momentary troubles and trials, no matter how painful they are that you're going through or that you're going to go through, don't let them keep you from trusting that Yahweh is faithful and good and overwhelmingly loving and kind and faithful. But when I say that Yahweh is faithful, it still might feel empty. I'm not stupid. Because you just get kicked sometimes, right? But look at what God promised. He didn't promise a life of perfection. He didn't promise no suffering. Can I say this really quickly? I don't know if I can say anything really quickly. I'm a preacher. Um, but if you've been led to believe that following Jesus would mean no more struggles, somebody lied to you. 
And it wasn't Yahweh. It wasn't God. It wasn't His Word. I just, I, I want to say that in honesty and all sincerity. There are a lot of people out there that claim to be telling the truth of God's Word, but they have taken it and they've been, maybe they've been manipulated, but regardless, they're manipulating God's Word and they have misled a lot of people in a lot of ways. But the idea that if you follow Jesus, that your life is going to be perfect on this earth is just a lie. Oftentimes it's going to be more difficult. But here's the thing. You weren't made for life on this earth. You were made for a home that has no sin, has no mess ups, has no faults, has no flaws. And so it might be tough right now, but you hang on the life that you're living for is so much greater than this. And here's the good news is that, yes, God will be good to you here on this earth. He will give you blessings, but sometimes it's going to be hard. And I don't want you to get discouraged because somebody misrepresented God and his word. Think about the covenant with Abram. He told him there will be 400 years of struggle. But he says God will make it right. God will make it right. His people would still be a blessing to the world. And we talked about in the past couple weeks that there are a lot of wills that are being done that are not God's will in this world. And we sometimes blame Yahweh. We blame him for all the evil. But we have to remember the truth that we've been warned. This life won't be easy. But there's hope. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have troubles or tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Yes, it will be difficult, but he says, I have overcome the world. You may not see all the rewards yet, but you'll see them. You'll see them one day. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it, uh, Paul writes, as speaking through the Holy Spirit. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. When we are seeking God and we are following God, that he will take every injustice and he will take those broken pieces that are in our lives and he will rebuild them into something good. He will bring beauty out of ashes. And it may seem like forever, and it may be painful, and it may be difficult, but God will take those things if we're honoring Him and seeking Him, and He will rebuild our lives into something better than we ever thought. Jesus has overcome. And He's taken all the broken pieces and mending them together into something beautiful. But why not fix it all before it happens? It's a valid question, right? God, why don't you just stop the bad things from happening? Think for a second about some of the spoiled kids you've seen in your life. It wasn't you, I'm sure. It wasn't one of your kids either. But think about spoiled kids you've seen. The ones that always get bailed out and never, ever have to suffer any consequences. They always turn out to be real winners, don't they? That everybody likes to hang around? No, you all know what I'm saying. When people don't ever suffer consequences for their poor decisions, they are monsters in a lot of ways. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want you to hear. And man, when I, I'm, this is a quote right from John Mark Comer, the author of this book that this series is based on. He said something that's so profound to me. God is more concerned with your long-term character than your short-term happiness. Man, if that ain't something... 
God is more concerned with your long-term character than your short-term happiness. And yes, it might stink to learn some lessons one time. And yes, it might stink to suffer something you didn't even do anything wrong for. But understand that you are growing in strength and faithfulness and being able to hold on to the God who's holding on to you. So even in pain, we can have hope. And I love, again, what he says. And forgive me for sharing so much of exactly what he says, but this is so, so good. He describes hope and he says... Our hope isn't that nothing bad will ever happen to us. That's not what your hope should be, is that nothing bad will ever happen to you. Or that everything that does happen to us is the will of God. Our hope is that no matter what happens to us, Jesus is back from the dead and anything is possible. That's what our hope is. That's what our hope is, is that no matter what happens to us, that Jesus is back from the dead and anything and everything is possible. God will bless you to be a blessing to the world. There might be some pain. There might be some captivity. There might be some suffering. There might be some struggles. But he is going to bless you to be a blessing to the world. So trust God's faithfulness. Right now, you need to hear that. Trust God's faithfulness. It may take time. Like Abraham and Sarah, it may take many, many years of an empty nursery. And that can be literal or that can be figurative. New Hope Church in Houston, Texas is one of the first churches that supported us to help our church get launched. They gave very generously and had me come down before we launched and spend some time with them just learning and hearing their story. And I had met Tim Liston, the guy who planted that church many, many years ago. And one of the things that struck me and resonates was that he said for seven years, their church averaged 75 people. And today they have about 10,000 people that attend on a regular basis 30 years later. Um, it's never honestly been our goal to be a mega church of one location. We want to plant more churches in our area. But regardless, that reminds me is that God is faithful. We keep serving him. There are people who need to hear the gospel. And so we keep loving. We keep being faithful. And God is going to show up in his time. Sometimes it takes a long time for us to see how God is working. But he is faithful. Sometimes you're in your 90s and you don't have kids yet. And then you're going to get a kid when you're 100. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you're like, whoa, that's a lot of blessing. But in the meanwhile, are you being faithful? Why you wait? Are you being faithful? In what area is Yahweh calling you to be faithful? We're almost at the end here, and I want you to think about that. While you're waiting and trusting that Yahweh is faithful, what is Yahweh calling you to be faithful in your life? Now, for you, that's going to be something different maybe than me. But I want you to ask, and I want you to consider, and I want you to be open to what God is calling you to do as your next move of faith. God, what are you calling me to do? I want to be faithful. It may be painful. It may hurt. I may not know which way to go, but I am going to be faithful because you are faithful. Faithfulness has been described as a long obedience in the same direction. Sometimes it takes a long time to be faithful, but hang on because Yahweh is faithful. I want to close with a story that you may or may not have heard. It's about 
Jacob, who was a descendant of Abraham. He comes a couple generations later, and he was a twin brother. And from day one, he is uh, a little bit of a mess. Um, so much so that, you know, he's holding his brothers, his twin brothers heel as they come out of the womb. And that's literally where his name came from. And it's literally Jacob is, he grasps the heel. He grabs the heel. And you ever told somebody, oh man, you're pulling my leg. So they're trying to play a joke on you. That's where it comes from. You might win Jeopardy one day, so listen to the money with me. But anyway, he's holding, and he, is, and he literally is, what he's saying is you're a cheater, you're a trickster. And that showed up to be much of his character for most of his life. And he, he duped his brother into giving him his birthright so he had the greater blessing. Even though God had promised it was going to happen. But just like us, we don't always trust God's timing. We don't believe God's faithful. we got to do the work ourselves. And so he comes along. Well, there comes a time where he's getting ready to meet up with his brother. And his brother's a big, burly dude. And he is afraid because his brother's a great nation now. And he's a great nation as well. But his brother is a skullcracker. He's a big dude. And so he's going to get revenge, what he's thinking. And so he has this whole plot. He sends his precious family that he really cares about ahead. And then he stays by himself. And all of a sudden, as he spends the night there, God shows up. It says an angel of the Lord. But when you see the phrase an angel of the Lord, a lot of times it can just sort of be understood. That's maybe a pre-incarnate form of God. I don't know if Jesus came down, but regardless, the presence of God comes down and they start wrestling. Random, I know, but they start wrestling there and they're wrestling all night. And, you know, I mean, Jacob is making some headway and the angel, I'm sure the angel's holding back a little bit. It, it might have been like, you know, it's probably like, you know, a parent wrestling with their kid. Like, oh, oh, you got me, you got me. But anyway, he lets him go in on the ruse for hours and hours and they're wrestling. And Jacob, you know, he's got him in the chokehold. He's trying to put him to sleep. And vice versa, you know, the angel of the Lord puts him in a full Nelson and all this. I mean, they're just going all night. And finally, day is breaking. And the angel of the Lord says, look, you got to let me go. I've got to go. We'll call it a draw, so to speak. And Jacob says, not until you bless me. Because he knew who he was dealing with. He said, not until you bless me. And so he agrees to bless him. He'd already blessed him, but he agrees to bless him more. And Jacob comes away with a new name, Israel, and a limb. So he was known going into the fight as cheater. And every day when people called his name, he had to be reminded of all the things he had done to earn that name. But as he leaves this wrestling match with God, he is Israel or he who strives with God, who fights alongside and fights with God sometimes in all honesty. But his name has changed. So he leaves it with a new name, but he also leaves it with a limp from his hip. Because what happens is before he lets him go, he touches the place on his hip and it dislocates a little bit. And so from then on, he had a limp for the rest of his life. And the reason I tell you that is if you want to see how faithful God is, it's time to get and personal and it's time to wrestle with him a little bit instead of keeping it at an arm's length you might come away with a new name you might come away in what you used to be known as and all your past mistakes are gone but when you come in contact with Yahweh you walk away with a new name but you might have a little bit of a limp because you need to be reminded that God is going to see you through and his power is enough and even though you might struggle and even though it might be difficult he will help you get through. Sometimes the blessing comes with some pain. Sometimes it comes with a little bit of a limp. 
but it's worth it. And he gives you, God gives you the opportunity to be a blessing to the world. Give you a new name, and maybe a little bit of a God is faithful. Believe it. He is overwhelmingly and abundantly overflowing with goodness and love and faithfulness for you and me and for you watching online. He is faithful to the bitter end so much that he walked through the sacrifice to make you and I whole. If you need Jesus today, don't hesitate, don't wait. Today is the time to come to know that Jesus has made you whole. He paid the price on the cross. You can be free if you follow him, if you submit to him, if you're baptized in Christ because of your faith and your repentance and your confession, he will cleanse you and make you whole. You can be free today. But what is God calling you to next? How is he calling you to be faithful? Not your neighbor, not the person beside you, but what is he calling you to? to be faithful to him because he is faithful to you. Don't leave here without answering that question to you. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.